Welcome Center for $3, so uh, you can get those today and join us on Wednesday evening, not Thursday. So let's begin our time of worship together as we stand this morning. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee.
together. Father, thank you for this beautiful morning you've given us to come and worship you. Thank you, thank you for bringing us to your house today. Your people, Father, as we gather, we pray that you would speak to us today. Father, be with our kids as they come in a moment as we dedicate these boxes for Operation Christmas Child. Father, we pray that you would bless those as they go out. Father, give us a great day in your house today as we worship you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Welcome to worship this morning. I see some jackets on this morning. (laughs) Old man winter is here. And I had to turn the heat on last night. So uh, it is Texas. It'll be 80 probably one day this week. But uh, we are grateful that you are here. And uh, today is a special day, as I mentioned in my prayer. We're going to have the kids come in a moment. Uh, if you are a guest of ours today, we are so honored uh, to have you in our worship service today. And if you have not filled out a guest card previously, we uh, would ask that you would do that, please. And you can turn that in out here in the uh, offering receptacle or in the uh, welcome center as you leave today. But we would love to. I have a record of your attendance so we could get in touch with you. Also, if you're joining us by live stream, we welcome you. Our uh, our website is fbccanada.org. You can learn more about our church there. So uh, right now we have a video. We want you to turn your attention to the screens about Operation Christmas Child. The river behind me is the Suriname River. And the Suriname River brings us where the, the Sarmakans people are. Operation Christmas Child have to use a boat and the boxes in the boat and travel up to the river. And it's very difficult to reach those people. Partnering with the local churches in Suriname can bring the gospel to children in unreached places, such as the Saramakans. It is important that we support the local churches. For these churches, we equip them, and then we provide the shoeboxes, which is a gospel opportunity. And so we use the shoebox gift as an opportunity to get into these communities and share the message of Christ with the children. I am one of the Saramakan. Uh, I born a Saramakan. I also received Christ. Christ changed my life. It gives me a future. I care about them. I want to see that they also uh, find what I have, Christ in me. And that's what I want to also, that Christ will be also in them. A shoebox is a tangible expression of God's love because these children, most of them have never received a gift. And so receiving a gift box for the first time really demonstrates the love that God has for them through those who are partnering with the ministry and those of us who travel there, they see God's love through this gift of a shoebox. The shoebox gift has opened the door. They spread the news. There's an Operation Christmas Child activity. After that outreach event, we take the step-by-step how they can uh, get friends with Jesus. I like to teach the greatest journey because someone did it for me. So if someone did not, I would never know about Jesus. My vision for the Salma tribe is that we will share the gospel and to establish a host church here so that they also can receive the, the, the blessing of Christ. Join me in singing these precious songs about the love of God for children. We're going to begin with Jesus Loves the Little Children as our kids begin to come bringing the boxes this morning. Let's sing together. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the
Ray to come right now if she has any breath left after stacking all those boxes. She has a word she'd like to share. All right. Thank y'all so much for packing shoe boxes. Those are all gifts of hope to a child in a foreign country. Uh, <laughs> okay. And these boxes, as you can see on the film, they go to the ends of the earth. They go to villages, deserts, mountain peak places uh, across the water and canoes and all that stuff. And these kids really have not heard about Jesus Christ. And we are doing what the Great Commission tells us to do, to go into all the world. And that's how we can do it here from Corsicana, Texas. So I appreciate y'all so much. Um, I'm going to show you real quick. This is the little booklet, The Greatest Gift, that goes with each shoebox to each child that tells the story of Jesus. Then... Y'all saw the picture of them teaching the 12-week Bible study, The Greatest Journey. And this is where they get a chance to accept Jesus Christ as Savior, and many do. And when they graduate from that, they get a Bible in their language like this. And these are this material is printed in over 70 different languages. And that's part of what the $10 donation goes to is the shipping and the Bible study material because... You know, it's not cheap to do all this and cheap to get the boxes there. But I'm going to tell you one other thing. The boxes we packed last year went to Chile, Peru, Belize, Panama, Ecuador, Philippines, Ghana, and Gabon to the ends of the earth. Let's bow our heads together and let's pray over these boxes today. Almighty God, we are so thankful, Lord, first of all, for the chance to be a part of your kingdom work. God, it just thrills our hearts to know that the children that bring these boxes in, all of us as your children who gather these boxes, that these will go and and the gospel will be preached, Lord, around the world through this simple act. God, we're excited to be a part of it. We're excited to partner with you in this task. God, we're thankful for Nanette. Lord, for her family, for all those that have been a part of this team and all those that will work um, so hard this week, Lord, to now progress these boxes where they need to go. Uh, Lord, we're thankful for good leadership that guides our church, and we're just deeply grateful, Lord, for for her and her efforts. Father, we ask now that, that you would go with these boxes, Lord. We ask your spirit to go with every one. We ask the message of the gospel to go with each one, Lord. We pray that you would open doors, that you would make travel smooth. Lord, as these boats enter into planes and boats and cars and, and all the varied ways of transportation, they'll be delivered. We pray for safety for the drivers. We pray for clarity of those who will be teaching. God, we pray for your favor. Lord, as the gospel is preached, that, that little hearts, that little ears, that little minds would be opened, that they would hear about you, that they would understand that you love them more than they'll ever be loved by anyone else. And I, God, we pray today in the name of Jesus that they would, you, that they would choose you as their Savior. Lord, we, we believe this message. Uh, we believe that this prayer will be answered. So, Lord, do this in your power. Do this in your might. Do this in your strength. Lord, allow children to choose you because of what we've done here today. We pray in the powerful name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Amen. In keeping with this theme, with the love of children, uh, the choir is now going to share a great song, Child of the King. Yeah. 
stand together as we continue our worship together. Send the light. Send the light. The blessed gospel light. There's a call comes ringing o'er the restless way. Send the Father God, we thank you so much for this day and all the blessings you've given us, Father. We thank you uh, continuously for Jesus. We just ask that you be with us now. As Danny comes to preach, Father, I ask that you speak through him, uh, open our ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Uh, Be seated. Thank you so much for being here today. First of all, I want to celebrate um, some people that are back in church with us, Randall and Vicki Arnett, are back here today. The last time Randall was here was Easter Sunday, and because of health concerns, he's been out. Let's give him a hand. Let's praise God. Randall, we love you, and we're thankful for you're here today. Um, also, Dana Taylor, where did she get off to? I saw her uh, in the choir loft. Here she comes. She's coming across the back, and so Dana has been um, recovering from sickness and moving towards uh, surgical procedures, so we praise God, Dana, for you as well. Um, two things I want to mention before we dive into the message. First of all, um, just patriotic events that we've been able to participate in this week. If you were one of those who took the opportunity as an American citizen to go vote, I want to thank you. Um, besides prayer, I believe the most important thing we can do in this country is to exercise our right as believers. And so if you were a voter this year, thank you for that. If you were not, I can't encourage you anymore to be a part of that process. And then second, on Friday, we had the privilege of celebrating Veterans Day. If you're one of our veterans, I want to say to you personally, I love you. We're thankful for you. God bless you for the sacrifice and service you gave to our country. Join me at this time and thanking our veterans today. God bless you. Well, Steve said it perfectly earlier that we find ourselves this morning truly perfectly positioned um, as we center ourselves on children. We are celebrating today that our church um, has sought to receive 575 shoeboxes that are to go around the world. I love the video that we saw. It really gives insight to me and I think all of us as to how dynamic and far-reaching this ministry is to the world's children. And then second, um, if you're not... uh, 
if you want to be a part of something even greater, come back to the second service because our shout choir will be singing there and we'll have even more kids making the rounds. First of all, I'm very impressed the number of kids that came out for this early service today. So if you're one of our parents who brought them, well done. Uh, but we are centered on children from sending shoeboxes to children to kids singing in the second service. And so I think it's totally appropriate today that we arrive in our study of the gospel of Mark in Mark chapter 10 today, where Jesus gives that classic well-known statement, let the little children come to me. So the title of this morning's message is, it's a small world after all. Now, if you've ever been to Disneyland or Disney World, you're familiar with the ride and the song, It's a Small World. But before it appeared in any of the Disney parks, it showed up in 1964 at the New York World's Fair. Uh, the, The ride was originally called Children of the World, and when you rode through that exhibit, you would hear the various national anthems of dozens of countries playing simultaneously. Well, when Walt Disney finally made his way through the ride, he knew that wasn't going to work. Uh, there were too many songs playing at the same time. They were all getting jumbled together. So he commissioned two of his favorite um, designers and crafters in his organization of Disney, the Sherman Brothers, to come up with a happy song. And the result was, it's a small world, and they changed the entire exhibit then to fit the song. The song was never copyrighted. Disney claims it's been sung and translated into more languages than any other song in history. And yesterday, I'm aware, and I apologize to you, it's probably stuck in your mind right now, just like it was when you went to Disney, and it will be the rest of the day. So I apologize. But but here's why I bring it up. I bring it up because when it comes to God's world, it is a small world. You see, God loves every person, but let's be clear today, he especially loves the small ones. He loves the children. And I I want to say definitively and remind ourselves and just nail down for us that we love kids at First Baptist Church, Corsicana. Somebody say amen. And, and, And children have always been interested in God. Uh, there was a Christian school teacher who asked her young students to write letters to God, and I think you're going to enjoy these. Look at the screen. Here's letter number one, written by Joyce. Dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. All right? Kind of the same thing, right? Um, this one written by Raphael. Dear God, if you give me a genie lamp like Aladdin, I'll give you anything you want except my money and my chess set. And this one written by Sam, dear God, I want to be just like my daddy when I get big, but not with so much hair all over. And then this one is from Charles, dear God, I don't think anybody could be a better God. Well, I just want you to know, but I'm not just saying that because you're God. (laughs) That was by Charles. And then listen to this one, dear God, please put another holiday between Christmas and Easter. There's nothing good in there now. And then Donna We read Thomas Edison made light, but in Sunday school, they said you did it. So I bet he stole your idea. Now, one of the most beautiful pictures in the New Testament is where Jesus takes those little children into his arms and he blesses them. And that's the story we're going to read today. So take your Bibles with me and let's go to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. Go ahead and stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word today. I'm excited to arrive here in this incredible chapter and this incredible encounter. Here's what it says in verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me. And do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, he put his hands on them, and he blessed them. Here's my prayer today. My prayer today is that we would be reminded how much God really loves children And then second of all, for those of us who are already adults, 
that we would be reminded how much like a child we need to be to be pleasing to God. That's my prayer today. Let's be seated. Now, parents, here's what we learn, right? Parents are supposed to teach their children, but what we learned very quickly is that children also teach us as parents. Somebody say amen to that. I was reading this blog by a young mom who wrote about exactly this thing, things that her son taught her. She said, I've learned that you shouldn't toss baseballs up inside when the ceiling fan is on. I've learned that double-pane glass in windows won't stop baseballs that were hit by a ceiling fan. I've learned that the motor on a ceiling fan isn't strong enough to rotate a 42-pound boy wearing a Superman cape hanging by a dog leash. I've learned that when you hear the toilet flush followed by the words, "Uh uh-oh, it's already too late. Uh, My son has taught me that the spin cycle on the washing machine can make a cat very dizzy. And I've also learned that that dizzy cat can throw up two to three times its body weight on my floor. Mostly, she said, my son has taught me that you can only survive parenthood with a great sense of humor. Now, as we study this touching passage this morning, where Jesus welcomes these little children into his arms, I want to make four observations about children, and here's the first one. Very simple, but very definitive and clear. It's good for children to bring, it's good for parents to bring their children to Jesus. It's good for parents to bring their children to Jesus. If you're here this morning, and you brought your child to church, I want you to know that you have pleased the Lord. You're doing a great thing. Verse 13 in our text, people were bringing little children to Jesus. Now, let's be clear. Was it just people? No, I think it's easy to read into this and understand these weren't just people These were moms and dads and grandmothers and granddads. It's a wonderful thing to bring our kids to Jesus. It's a wonderful thing to bring our grandkids to Jesus. It's important for parents and grandparents alike to be bringing our children to church to make sure that they have a spiritual training from the very earliest age. Now, it's strange that we need to say that to me because that's the way I was brought up and it's what I've done in my family. But every now and then I'll run into these parents who don't want to influence their children spiritually. Uh, They just want to let them grow up. That's kind of what they say. They want to let them to be exposed to many different ideas. And when they're old enough, they just want them to decide for themselves. But I want to lovingly say today, that's not wise. Actually, let me go a step further. It's actually dangerous. These two men, these two dads, were discussing this very idea. One man talked about how important it was to teach children the truths of the Bible, and the other man disagreed. He said, no, he wanted his kids to grow up with no spiritual instruction. They would just go as God guided them, right? It was clear that they weren't going to convince one another. So finally, the first man who believed in the biblical education, he changed the subject, and he said this, hey, would you like to see my garden? The man said, sure, I'd love to see your garden. So they walked outside around the house, and they saw out behind the house this patch of overgrown weeds and, and, and thorns and thistles. He said, this is no garden. It's just an overgrown weed bed. And the guy said this, well, my philosophy of farming is that I never want to prejudice the soil in any way. I don't want to influence the soil with good seeds. I just let whatever is in there just grow up and take over. And the second man turned and he said, now I get it. Now I understand why you think the spiritual training of kids is such an important strategy. Parents, I love that illustration. There is an incredible promise in the Bible, Proverbs 22, 6, you probably know it. Train a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he won't turn from it. How many of you know that verse? Train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they're old, they won't turn from it. Now, here's my concern. I'm afraid that many parents don't really understand what it means. They misunderstand the verse. 
They think it means this. If you train your child correctly, right, if you teach your kids the right thing, they may wander off, but when they're 40 or 50 or 60, they'll eventually find their way back around. But that's not what the verse says at all. What does it mean to train up a child? I think it's important that we know this. Some people think, well, it it means stern discipline and memorizing rules. But let me tell you biblically what it means. That word train in the Hebrew language, it's a beautiful word. It was used by the Hebrew midwives who delivered the babies at that time. They would roll their forefingers in this mixture of olive oil and sweet crushed dates They would slip their finger into the mouth of that suckling baby, right? They would massage the palate to simulate the sucking instinct. They were creating in that baby a desire for nourishment. Now, parents, that's what it means to train. That's our job, to create in our kids a desire, see, for the things of God. It's to show them that the things of God are sweet. Those things of God are nourishing to them. And once you create that desire in a child, they'll never lose that desire. Even if they wander away, they'll find their way back because they know where the sweet nourishment is. They know where the good nourishment is. That's what it means. And so the first thing we want to say today is it's so good for parents to bring their children to church, to bring their children to Jesus. Now, let's go on the opposite side from the second point today. Jesus warns against hindering children from approaching him. And here's where we go to the disciples in the story. Because when these people, these moms and dads and grandmothers and grandfathers were bringing their children to Jesus, the disciples started acting like bodyguards, right? They were going to keep all this riffraff away, all these unimportant people away. And Jesus, it says, immediately rebuked them. Now, actually, this is one of the few times in the Bible where it says that Jesus got angry. Do you see those words? It said he was indignant. It means he was mad. Jesus didn't like this. And here's why. Let me tell you about the Roman Empire. During the first century in the Roman Empire, children were not yet valued the way we are. We value them today. Uh, There's an actual preserved papyrus letter from a Roman soldier to his wife, she was expecting a child, and it literally says this, preserved in history, it says, if our child is a son, keep him, but if he's a female, throw it away. You see, in this time, they lived in a society, they lived in an age of throwaway children, but Jesus, in the midst of that, he loved those kids. He loved those children. And if that's not strong enough for you, go back to the previous chapter in Mark chapter 9. We didn't study this passage. He warned about the danger of hindering children from coming to him. He actually said this, And if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone around his neck. In other words, it's serious to Jesus. And here's the scary thing, though. Sometimes it's the parents who are the stumbling blocks for their children. Sometimes it's the parents. They're the ones who are hindering their kids from coming to church and learning about the Bible. It's sometimes it's the parents who say, no, my kid's not going, and that breaks my heart, and, and it should break our hearts, all of us. Let me say this. Whether you're a parent, a grandparent, a teacher, children are always watching you. They're always watching us. The words we say either draw them closer to the Lord or drive them further away. And it's why I love so much this poem written by R.L. Sharp. Here's how it goes. Isn't it strange that princes and kings and clowns that caper in sawdust rings and common folk like you and me are the builders of eternity? To each is given a bag of tools, a shapeless mass, and a, ba- and a book of rules. And each must make ere time is flown a stumbling block or a stepping stone. Friend, let me say this. When it comes to our children, make sure you're building stepping stones. It is good for us to bring our children to Jesus It is bad when we hinder our children from coming to Jesus. Let's move on to the third thing. So important today, it's easier to come to Christ as a child. It's easier to come to Jesus Christ 
as a child. The very best time for a person to choose Christ as Savior is when they are young. And I'm often asked this question, and some of our parents, y'all, y'all have asked me, you wonder about things, these things. Um, how old does a child need to be before they can accept Jesus? Well, the answer is simple. It's not an age. It's not an age, and there are some denominations that say, well, they have to be this age. I don't think it's that at all. A, a kid just has to be mature enough and old enough to recognize that they're a sinner who needs Jesus Christ. That's the answer. They just have to be able to understand that. And I'm thankful today, very thankful. All my kids are going to be in church this morning right here. Got them all home, right? And I'm thankful as I look back at their life that they've all received Christ as Savior I'm very thankful I got to baptize every single one of them. And I'm thankful that they all gave their life to Christ when they were children. And it just reminds me as your pastor, the easiest time for people to come to Christ is when they're a child. And the Barner Research Group actually has gathered um, data to prove this point. Several years ago, let me share this with you. They did an extensive study about when people came to Christ in the United States. And here's what they learned. In America, 50% of Christians come to know the Lord before the age of 13. 64% come to know Christ before the age of 18. 77% come to know Christ before the age of 21. 77%. That means only 23% of Christians in the U.S. come to Christ after the age of 21. So parents, here's the deal. Grandparents, here's the deal. If you have a child... If you have a child that's 7, 8, 9, 10, all the way to 18, you make sure that child is in church. If they're sick, you take them to a doctor. When they have spiritual concerns, you ought to have them in church. They will receive Jesus if they just get exposed to the gospel. There's never an easier moment to receive Christ for them than right now. Let's get our kids to church, okay? Let's get our kids to church. Let me give you the fourth point. To enter into God's kingdom, you must think like a child. Now, let's kind of shift the whole thing here because you may be sitting here and you say, well, I'm not a kid. I'm not a parent anymore, those type things. And so you say, what's God have to say to me? If I'm not in that grouping this morning, what does God have for me? And here it is. The only way that anyone at any age can come to Jesus is they have to receive the kingdom as a child. All of us need to maintain certain childlike characteristics if we're going to be pleasing to God, if we're going to choose Jesus Christ. I didn't say childish characteristics. I said childlike, right? Let me give you three things, three childlike characteristics that we have to emulate. Here's the first one, a sense of awe and wonder. You know, one of the things that bugs me about getting older is I feel like I'm losing my sense of awe and wonder because I've already been there and done that, right? I've already experienced this and that and those things, and, and I tell people my story, but I'm not near as impressed anymore, and I think that begins to creep into our faith. But but here's here's something I did this week. I can remember literally the first time I ever heard this Christian song. We already sang it in the service. And it was awesome to me because I believed it. When I was a child at the age of five and six years old, I believed this song. And I want you to sing it with me again now. We're not going to have any music. Here we go. You ready? Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so, little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Sing it out. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. I have a degree from college. I have a master's degree and a doctoral degree from the seminary. But there is no truth more profound that I have ever learned in my life than the one we just sang. And I am in awe of it. And I am in wonder of it. 
Friend, today, if you don't know Christ, recognize that God loves you more than anybody in this world ever will. He will never turn his back on you. We must have a sense of awe and wonder if we're going to receive Jesus Christ. Let me give you a second childlike characteristic. It's a simple trust. Here's the problem with adults. We try to make things way too complicated. You do it and I do it. We all do it. And and theology is deep. I get it. But we're not saved by theology. That's not what saves us. You're saved by simple grace through faith. Simple faith, right? Saving faith is a simple faith. And did you know there are adults today, they're not sure they're going to heaven, but they don't really know who to ask. And even if they're asking the questions, they're not going to go ask anyone because it's embarrassing that they haven't already made this choice. But if we'll just share the simple plan of salvation with them, guess what? They will choose Christ as Lord and Savior. I want you to look at the screen with me. It is so simple. What's that called? Anybody know? A power bracelet, all right? We've had them around the church for a while. And it's so simple. Look at that black bead. What's that stand for? That all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That sin separates us from Almighty God. The red symbolizes, however, God demonstrated his love for us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ shed his blood for us. Jesus paid the price for your sin. Jesus paid a price that you could not pay. If we receive Jesus white, we will be washed as white as snow. Your sin can be removed from your heart. That dirty, sinful heart can be made pure and whole again by the blood of Jesus. And once you're saved, once you're washed white as snow, the blue, it's time to be baptized, to declare to the entire world that you've given your life to Christ, that he's now your king and your Lord. And once you do that, well, green things do what? They grow. Growing things are always green, it seems, and so it's time for you to grow as a believer. You can't stay an infant spiritually. You have to grow in your faith, and then ultimately, what are you looking forward to? Those streets of gold that one day you'll be in heaven. Friend, if you've never received Christ, that's how simple it is. That's the simple message. So today, let me just, let me just appeal to you. If you're here and you've never received Christ, do it today. A simple trust. You see that? A sense of awe and wonder. We've got to maintain that. A simple trust. We have to maintain that. And then the third one today I want to offer. A spirit of forgiveness. As God has forgiven you, as adults, we have to forgive others. As adults, when someone hurts us, guess what we do? We hold on to it. We're slow to forgive it. Uh, We tend to carry grudges. Some of us can think of people right now, they've hurt us, they've wounded us, and we've been holding on to this thing. We're not going to forgive them. We'd rather nurse this grudge than let it go. But what do kids do? Well, they're quick to forgive, aren't they? They don't carry grudges. I remember as a boy growing up on a baseball team, my friends and I, we were duking it out, fighting with one another, and the next thing you know, we're winning the game and we're giving high fives and hugging. Kids, they forgive like that, right? It's amazing. If you're here and you don't know Christ, be in awe of a God who created you and loved you so much that he sent Jesus. Simply trust him. You can trust him. And then as he forgives you, then you go out and forgive others. I want to close this whole message this way. It was on a cold, rainy Monday morning in New Jersey. This visiting pastor announced that he would preach morning services every day during Holy Week. And this 10-year-old boy walked through the rain to attend one of those services. When the visiting pastor walked out that morning, he saw that that one little boy was the only person in the entire congregation. Well, years later, that boy became a man. And he wrote about his experience on that rainy Monday morning. Here's what he wrote. He said, I wondered that day what the minister would do. But when the hour set for worship arrived, the pastor walked into the pulpit and began the service as if the church was filled to capacity. 
He looked down at me, this little boy with a smile of great sincerity, and he spoke earnestly to me about the deep love of God. When the time came for the offering, the minister held out the offering plate, and I walked to the front, and I put my nickel in the plate. The pastor smiled at me, and he placed his big, gentle hand on my head. In walking back to my seat, I knew that this man's God was a real God and that every child mattered to this God. It left a lump in my throat, and I cannot think of it today without emotion. Friends, that was the turning point in the spiritual development of that boy. He started reading the Bible every single day for the rest of his life. His name, Cecil B. DeMille. He would become one of the world's most successful movie producers in history. He produced movies like The Ten Commandments, The King of Kings, and The Sign of the Cross. And he once said this, The Master, my ministry has been to make religious movies and to get more people to read the Bible than anyone else ever has. Folks, here's my deal. Who can calculate the impact that single pastor had on that 10-year-old boy when he cared enough to show him God's love when he was the only one at church. Every Sunday, we have the same opportunity. Kids come here. Kids come into our lives. And we have the chance to impact and influence every single one. So let's welcome them and let's treat them as if they were the next Dwight L. Moody.